When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's that time once again for the Janestine podcast, and I'm excited for you to hear my conversation with a lady I've been following for the last few years. Not just because of her interesting path running for governor of Michigan, but because Tudor Dixon and I share similar stories when it comes to how the pandemic affected our families. Tudor lost her grandmother in a nursing home in 2020 and was horrified by some of the policies set forth by Governor Gretchen Whitmer, including not only admitting COVID-positive patients into nursing homes, but keeping them locked away from families, with many elderly dying from failure to thrive. It's one of the reasons Tudor decided to run against Whitmer in 2022. She's also a businesswoman. Building a career in Michigan's steel industry, she's a breast cancer survivor, a proud wife, and mom of four girls. Tudor has a brand new podcast, which I was excited to be part of. And while she was in New York, she stopped by this podcast to talk about her fun new line of work and what it was like running for governor. Please welcome Tudor Dixon to the Janice Dean podcast. Tudor Dixon, you made the Dean's List. <laughs> Thank you so much for putting me on the Dean's List. Of course. I'm so glad that I get to meet you in person because... I saw you on TV a lot uh, when you were running for governor for Michigan, and I just, I thought you were so great at communicating a message, which is really hard to do, I think. Uh, And I thought you had such a great shot at the job. I mean, how did you feel? And first, let's talk about what made you decide to run for governor? Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for saying that, first of all. And what made me decide really was I had been in manufacturing my whole life. Mm-hmm. And then in the five years before, I switched over to the media world where we were just really trying to communicate to kids American messages, American history, mm-hmm. great Americans, Americans that are doing things right right now, you know, talking about those things. And we got a lot of pushback on that. And so that kind of drew me into the political world. Mm -hmm. And then when 2020 hit, good grief, you saw Michigan. It was a nightmare. (laughs) Very much like New York. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very much so. We were shut down. I don't know if you saw just a few days ago, she's out there saying, oh, you know, we nobody was planting anything anyway in February. Well, we all know that, first of all, we shut down in March. Yes. So this is just how she operates. And I think that was the most frustrating part, watching her stand up and constantly lie Lie. to people. Mm -hmm. So we thought, yeah, if you can do that, how how hard could it be to run against her? Which the Democrat machine is powerful and yes. so that we learned a lot. And I think that was the benefit of doing what we did is now we know what we're up against and now we have an idea of how to fight back against that. Would you do it again? <laughs> I always say maybe it's like pregnancy and you forget. Uh, and then you that's do it right. That's right. You have one and you're like, oh my gosh, I'll never do it again. And it's like, oh, let's try again. <laughs> right, right, right. That wasn't that bad. Because you don't it? remember how hard it was. Yeah. But listen, you, you did a really great job communicating a message. 
I just, you know, we have similar tragic situations in that you lost your grandmother Mm -hmm. uh, in a nursing home contracting COVID. uh, And the same thing that was happening here in New York was going on in Michigan. They were flooding nursing homes with COVID positive patients Mm -hmm. and not telling the families uh, and it's three years now. For us, the March 25th order was the beginning. I think it's a death warrant. And it was in effect for 46 days. And we didn't know. And then when both my husband's parents died within two weeks of each other at different elder care facilities, I thought, this there's something wrong here. And then you start finding out, oh, my gosh, they're actually, while they're telling us to stay as far away from the virus as possible, locking us up, mm. they are putting sick patients into nursing homes where the most elderly resided. And the same thing was going on in Michigan. And paying nursing homes extra yes. to take these patients. Yes. That's what I think a lot of people don't understand. And if you look at the, patient, the the nursing homes in Michigan, I think there were about 20 that were authorized to take COVID positive patients. Mm-hmm. And five of those were at a number two rating or below on a five point scale. And one or two were at a looking they were zero they were under investigation because they were so bad so clearly they weren't in any situation where they were capable of handling a virus like this but nursing homes are not meant to do that they're not hospitals they're not so some of our nursing homes got about a million dollars in that time frame just to take these patients how sick is that no it's sick i mean i i went to albany a couple of weeks ago because they were talking about having an ombudsman look at nursing homes and I was like, listen, if you don't look back at what happened in 2020, you have no business trying to put Band-Aids on stuff. Mm -hmm. And we knew that they were, you know, who was making money? The nursing home operators and the hospitals. Yes. It was a it was a monetary transaction. And that's where I think the criminality lies. So you have a situation in Michigan where the big hospitals were bringing in lots of patients and they were getting lots of money. Yes. The rural hospitals that make their money on hip replacements and knee replacements were totally shut down. Mm. They were getting no money. And now some of those are looking at closing because they were wiped out. And that was the other thing. How is an elect? We're we're told that you can't have elective surgery. And I'm thinking this is like a facelift, you know, but it's a shoulder replacement or any type of surgery. We had kids that broke their ankles and they were kept with a broken ankle for weeks at a time. I'm a cancer survivor. So I was fortunate because I'm going to my six-month checkup, but it's closed. The cancer clinic is closed. Oh, my gosh. How sick is this? So people, they didn't get their treatment, and people didn't get diagnosed that should have. Right. It is, it's, I mean, we're coming up on three years, and why is it that we don't, we're not having hearings about this stuff, Tudor? It's driving me crazy. Right. Absolutely. But that so in Michigan, obviously, we have the Democrats in control, even when they brought the health and human services director back. We didn't get to what actually happened. And and remember, in Michigan, the health and human services director left and was given hush money. He was given a payment to leave the state. And that has never been fully investigated. Oh, my gosh. And you want to put him on the stand with a subpoena. Right. Right. I mean, there are so many guilty parties here, and we're – I mean, listen, I I just don't have faith in media. I'm sorry. I know I, I, I'm so grateful to Fox for giving me a platform when while that was happening, but I was fighting to get some kind of coverage here locally on these issues. There's so much to be uncovered, and I feel like we're being swept under the rug. 
Look, it's the same. So no matter what it is, if it's an issue now, this is the, the twisted part about this. If it's an issue now that somehow can be connected to a conservative or the the right side of the aisle, it does not get coverage. So before we sat down and started talking, I was telling you about this Chinese battery plant going into Michigan. And we just discovered that this battery plant going into Michigan has to have a CCP operation in the plant in rural Michigan. Do you think that there are any news outlets in Michigan covering this? Fox is the only oh, place covering goodness. this. Oh, my goodness. I know. I just feel like my hair is on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so what? let's go back to what happened to your grandmother and when you found out that that, that was going on in her nursing home. So in Michigan, there was we had the shutdown, the initial shutdown, and then there was a time when you could see people in nursing homes outside. So in, in Michigan, of course, there's a very short period of time because it's cold, right? right so right. so in the summertime, we could see people outside, and I remember going and sitting with her, and, and she looked at me and she said, I don't think I can do this again. And I think people have to remember that at that time, we think this is moving toward we're going to see each other. But, you know, when you've lived nearly 100 years, I think you see the writing on the wall. And she said, we'll lock down again. Mm. And I thought, no way. There's no way they will do this. And so they locked us down. And my grandmother didn't actually have COVID. This is the real, real rub on this. Because so many people that I talked to across the state said, my loved one died of a broken heart. And we know that this is not acceptable to lock Old elderly people yes. away from their loved ones. Mm-hmm. Everybody, we've known that for years. Yes, and so they locked them away, and they called us and they said she's probably not going to live very long. She was perfectly healthy. What do you mean? Right. So we went there, and they said you cannot come in, even though we were COVID negative. We took a test. She took a test. Didn't matter. They would not let us see her in her final moments. I mean, how sick is that? It is Tudor. And so my girls, my sister was in town, my girls, we went to the window. I mean, it just seems crazy. I know, crazy. it's surreal. There's a screen, she can't see us. And we go to the window, and I took a picture, not even knowing how this would impact the you know later in life. The windows, families, all the way down the line, looking in, at, like oh. peering in at the hands on the window, peering in at their loved ones. And this is it. This is all the connection that we have to them. For what? For what? I know. That's why there should be investigations, because they knew it didn't matter. That's right. Yes. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm still fighting. We're still fighting. And even when no one wants to hear it, we're still going to scream. I don't care what it takes. Um, It's going to take lawsuits. It's because I just feel like I was promised that this would come to Washington, D.C. and there would be hearings. And now I've heard crickets and you know who I'm talking to. Um, it's unfair because if, you know, a few months ago when we had an election, it was like, oh, Janice, yes, you're going to we're going to get these people. We're going to get Andrew Cuomo with a mm. subpoena on the stand. We're going to get Gretchen Whit- Whitmer because there were clearly just a few Democratic governors that did this, and there's a 
the reason why it was just a few. But now they rise her up. I mean, I even Andrew Cuomo has been welcomed back in certain circles, and she has been certainly welcomed back. Like I said, just a couple of days ago, they're asking her, well, did you go a little too far? And she said, maybe we should have been selling seeds, but nobody was planting in February. So if you if you look at how lockdown Michigan was. Our kids were totally locked out of yep. schools. Restaurants were closed. And then they were closed again after Christmas. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was, our restaurants were closed for a total of nine months. And then the people that opened their restaurants, we had one woman that opened her restaurant against the orders. And for a misdemeanor, they came with the state police and they put her in chains and handcuffs. I mean, chained to her right. hands together. Ugh. This is to her waist. She said three days in jail, she had bruises on her hips because she opened her restaurant. She had to feed her family. Oh, my gosh. Nine months these restaurants were closed. And that's why these people should not be rising up. But Gretchen Whitmer, they're like, oh, she could be the next president. Oh, my goodness. Think about that. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I honestly, and it's not a political thing, okay? I, I've always said I... I don't want anybody to know who I voted for. Actually, I voted for both sides. I'm from Canada. I mean, so I'm from a socialist country. I voted for both sides. I call myself an independent. But but if you have a leader that is purposely putting sick patients in with the elderly and lying about it, I mean, the one thing I think Gretchen Whitmer didn't do is win an Emmy or write a book about it. Right. I think his hubris, his arrogance is really what brought him down. That is what I used to say. Emmy Award winning governor. How can you even have that title? (laughs) Emmy Award. And and to me, that's so bizarre because I think. Aren't you winning an Emmy because you're pretending to be something? So That's maybe right. it actually, maybe He's it actually actor. is perfect. Right. Absolutely. That's what I said. But then he had to give the <laughs> Emmy back. <laughs> so, yes, he's trying to make a comeback. But I just feel, you know, and then I see the fact that he is. He's There are rumors that, you know, um, he's going to be a, try to run to be a senator, uh, that, you know, he's got a podcast now. Um, but every article that I see about him, it always says that the the sexual harassment was what brought him down. Um, and even though I'm so grateful to the women that came forward, because it's all about abuse of power, whether you're forcing sick patients into nursing homes or you're, you know, abusing the women that you work with. It's all about this guy who is so powerful. He thinks he can't be held accountable for anything. Right. And the media fed into that because remember he became a sex symbol, which I was. Oh, like, the Cuomo sexuals. Yes, they're still out there. <laughs> It's so gross. They even had T-shirts made. Well, and and this was a very dangerous man. Yes, that's the really scary part about it. This was and this was fed into. But when you say it's not politics, you're right. It is incompetence that we should be looking at. Because yeah. look at the state of New York. You've got a crime problem that is out of control. Out of control. S- same with the state of Michigan. I mean. You have people saying, how could this school shooting happen on MSU's campus? But then you have these soft on crime prosecutors that are letting people get away with this. And we can track that one specifically back to that situation. Look at the school system in Michigan. She shut the schools down and she's like, oh, I was saving people. We were already 38th in the nation. Now we're like 41st in the nation. Yeah, We have... Schools in Michigan with a 5% literacy rate, and there are not alarm bells going off. Exactly. Instead, they said, you know what, we're going to stop ranking schools by the A through F system. Uh, That's not uh, fair. It's uh, You can't even make it up. And I know you and I have talked about this. It's Now is the time when parents like us have to kind of rise above it and figure it out for ourselves because our elected f- officials could care less. 
And, you know, when I spoke with you, we put our kids in Catholic schools. I'm a, I am used to love public schools. I'm from mm-hmm. the public school system. Our kids went to our public school in our town. Um, but then when they were shut down and my youngest couldn't learn off the iPad, it was time to take it into our own hands. And the Catholic schools... We're doing it right. Right. So why aren't we like investigating that? What? Why did the uh, Catholic schools decide I'm going to we're going to continue during a pandemic when we should have been doing that anyway? And this is the the argument when you have these elected officials come out and say, oh, they want to take public school away. No, we want people to have the option to have a successful education. Correct. That's all it is. And when you look at the fact that you kept kids trapped that that severely needed help, and you have kids that have learning disabilities, you have special needs kids, you have all of these kids that needed constant contact. They needed that that schedule. You mm-hmm. know, that's what they needed. And that was robbed from them. But there were schools like our schools that are open now, you yeah. know, and and that was that wasn't allowed. The school choice was not allowed. But you're exactly right. I went to public school. I'm a product of the public school system. Never thought twice about putting my kids in the public school system until COVID. Yes. But the shock to me is the education they have received since has been so different. Because I have girls, so I have four kids. So I've seen the different levels because my oldest went in in sixth grade and my youngest went in in second grade. And just the difference that that I've seen in the younger girls' education has been shocking to me. Mm. We still have to keep talking about that. We still have to be angry. We can't let them get away with this stuff. Uh, And I'm still angry because they are allowing the schools to perform at such a low level and now protecting. They've taken away a right to work in Michigan. So now everyone has to join the unions. The unions have become incredibly powerful. And in this latest bill, they have a a provision in this bill that says the unions will be able to donate to to uh, elected or to candidates for office, to political candidates with no limitations. Oh, my goodness. What? There are always limitations. So then you could essentially have George Soros give the union yes. a huge amount of money and they could say, well, we're giving $22 million to this candidate. Give me a break. Oh, my goodness. It has nothing to do with educating kids. No. It's all about power. It, that, that's the bottom line. Exactly. And COVID really proved that yes. to all of us. Yes. We can't forget. Okay. I know we have so much to talk about. Uh, f- four girls. Yes. Oh, my goodness. God bless you. And they're just about teen. So twins that are nine, 11 and 13. And I'm at that point where it is. We've got a lot of a lot of estrogen in the house. (laughs) (laughs) How do you like this pivot? Now you're kind of in the broadcasting world. You're doing this kind of thing. Podcasting. What do you love it? Is you know, it- I, I do because the thing I love about it is that we met so many amazing people and I like to bring those positive stories. We'll have a, a podcast coming out, I think, next week of one of our service members who was in an explosion in Syria. But the way he talks about serving mm. is just it, it makes it makes me emotional because I think this is what America is all about. These people, you may see him on the road and and not understand his backstory. And now you get a, a glimpse into what it was to go into Afghanistan and bring schools to girls. The things that we take for granted here in the United States, we get to tell those stories and have people hear it on a level that isn't political. It isn't me. It's someone who lived it and they get to tell their story. And I love that. Wow. I love that you're doing that too. Uh, because we need more of those types of stories, right? Right. right. Uh, uh, being someone in service really comes from. 
the heart. Mm-hmm. It's not something you're told to do. It has to really be a person who is born with that, I think. And this was this this man's story. He goes through that. This is a, a generational yes. service. And it's so neat to hear that. But we, we met so many amazing people on the campaign trail that would tell me these stories. And like I said, when going back to the nursing home thing, there were people that would fall into my arms and just hold on to me and sob over what happened. And when I went through that, I thought... There's something bigger here. Yeah. If if we don't end up winning, there's something bigger to tell these people they're loved. This is America. Mm. I mean, America is an incredible country where you can say terrible things about America and then get taken by a foreign country and end up in a Russian prison and we go back and get you. Mm. You know, that's how cool. That's how amazing it is to live in this country. And so we have to remind people of that, not always to be so mad. Yeah. But we're fortunate. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that brings us together. There really is. It's time to remind people of that. Tell me about your cancer journey. Um, you know, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2005. At the time, it's a scary diagnosis. Went into a very dark place. Thought my life was over. Who's going to love me? Who's going to want to marry mm-hmm. me? My career is done. Uh, it's one of the best things that could have ever happened to me because I think I was going down this path of, you know, false idols like, I'm going to be on TV. I'm moving to New York. Uh, I've got it made, right? And then when something like that happens, it's like, wait a minute. Those things aren't that important. My health, my support group. um, How am I going to get on the other side of this and see the light of something good? So did the same thing happen to you? I mean, Mm -hmm. take me on that journey. So I was, my girls were two, four, and six at the time. So the twins were two. They were still nursing because they, I was very weak when they would look at me and and my mom was like, you're going to be on the cover of time with two five-year-olds. You have to stop nursing these kids. (laughs) But you know, when you're nursing, you don't really know there's lumps and everything. And so I went, I actually wouldn't have known I had cancer. I went to the doctor and the the, uh, physician's assistant said, I don't like this. We're going to get this checked out. And so turns out, yes, it was cancer. And you hear those words and you hear nothing else. It's like, then it's Charlie Brown's teacher. You know, it's like, wah, wah, yeah. wah, wah. Mm-hmm. And I drove home that day and I started crying and I had this overwhelming sense. It was like God telling me, don't cry. We're on this journey. It's a journey mm. together. And from that moment on, it was a journey. And I went through it, but I think it's given me, you're right. At that moment, I remember going to the grocery store and feeling like I'm different now. You know, mm. like there's this cloud over me. Yeah. And Will the girls remember me? Because you think this could be, I'm not, this is it. Yeah. I'm young. When you get breast cancer when you're young, it's usually not good. And so I was 38. And Was it in your family? No. 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 So it was a total shock to us that I, I ended up getting this. And um, I went to a bunch of different doctors because it's funny because people are like, you have to immediately handle this. And I, I had this moment where I was like, this is life changing. I have to talk to the right doctor. So I went to Grand Rapids. I went to Houston. I ended up at Johns Hopkins and I picked those doctors because they looked at me and and they just seemed to get it, you know, and they got it so much that three years later, the breast surgeon who think about how many people he sees in three years, he called me and he said, I've got a young woman. She's in the same situation as you. She's really scared. Would you talk to her? I know. I mean, it was it was like he remembered that I had lived yeah. this and thought I could do that. What an honor. That, yes. So going through this has been interesting because we've, in the political world, things started to get weird with double mastectomies for girls. Okay. Yeah. And 
And that was shocking to me because I think having lived this and having had both of my breasts removed and going through that, knowing that, you know, before you go through the surgery, there's a lot of questions just to be really open with you. There's a lot of questions because they go, well, everything's going to change. You won't have any feeling. You, You might have some feeling come back. You can have reconstructive surgery. It'll look different. You won't feel the same. And you don't. And it came out of the surgery and I was like, wow, this is really different. And I've had a couple of surgeries since because there's different types of implants you can get and, and it doesn't look like you. Yeah. You you look in the mirror every day and it's not you, you oh. know? And so when people tell these young girls, what's well, reversible? I think, wow, you really need to know what you get into because even when they were explaining it to me, what will happen to your body? I thought, well, I mean, how, how different is it going to be? And it's different. You know, there's really I'm and I'm not saying that I'm not so thankful that I went through it and I and I can, you know, I'm I'm alive and there are modern medicine. There's modern medicine that can make you look somewhat like you used to, you know. But to think about the fact that we're going to young people who really don't understand the consequences, because even at 38, I couldn't imagine the other side of surgery. Yeah. And. That has been kind of an interesting place to be as I've watched this because Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm on the knowing side and I want to say, just talk to me, just really hear what it is Mm -hmm. before you do this because you're so young, you might not know. Oh, I know. That's a whole other conversation. I mean, I think back to when I was a teenager, Uh, I wasn't a tomboy per se, um, but I wasn't, you know, like the frilly girl either. And I had other girlfriends who were kind of the same. Like we all wore jeans. We all played baseball. we all put a ball cap on our head. I mean, would would those girls be encouraged to like, oh, well, you're different because you dress like that? Well, right. that's that, no. I feel like if you haven't hit puberty, you should you have no business influencing a kid. And it's a hard conversation because I do believe that, you know, when you're an adult, you should be able to do whatever, whatever you, you want. want. And that, and so people will say, oh, you want to stop this together, altogether. No, I want children to be able to grow up and, and see who they really want to be. Because, you know, when you're going through puberty, you know nothing. You don't know any. You're going. <laughs> you're miserable. Exactly. Yes. I mean, I, and as I watch my girls now, the emotions, everything up and down, and you want to fit in. And I think that there is a a big push to say this is a place where you can fit. But none of us feel like we fit anywhere when we're going through the changes in life. You just are. It's a mess. Right. It's a messy time. I know. Oh, my gosh. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. Are you an optimistic person? I am. Yes. Or how would I do this? And I grew up with my my mom used to say my dad was the, this like huge Pollyanna. Everything was positive <laughs> with him. And I think that was he was the one. So my dad actually um, had cancer during the campaign. So we lost him in the middle of the campaign. Sorry. But he was the inspiration. You know, when I went to him, my mom said, this is not good timing. Your dad is sick. And he said, this is the perfect timing. And who could do this better than her? Which, I mean, he's my dad. So, of course, he said that. But he was just that guy that saw everything, everything could, everything is possible. And so I think that's why I've been inspired to take what I learned on the campaign and just show that there is 
there are beautiful things that happen in this country. No matter how many times we are divided, no, how, no matter how far apart we feel, yeah. there are so many beautiful things that happen in this country. Just positive stories of Americans helping Americans, Americans fighting for Americans, Americans doing great things, creating positive programs like, you know, these pause with a cause, all of these things you, that you don't necessarily hear, you mm-hmm. get to just see them and you see them in such brilliant color when you travel around a state like that. What made you just, you know, when I was going through all of this stuff with my family, there were people that were like, oh, maybe you should you know, run for something. Maybe you need to be in politics, you know, um, be a leader somehow. I did think about it. I thought about it a bit. Uh, well, more than a bit. I, I talked to people around here and I, I got their advice. Most people were very encouraging. Um, but ultimately, I just found it wasn't the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what made you make that leap to try to be a different type of leader? Yeah, I think that I was in a unique position because we had had the manufacturing plant in Michigan. So I had seen, you know, the struggles of running a business in in the state, but then seeing the crushing blow of Gretchen Whitmer in the four years that she had and and kind of understanding the political world and knowing that it had to be someone who could speak it had to be someone who could go toe to toe she i knew what the weapons were that she used against people and so i talked to a couple of different consultants and it was funny because the first guy that we talked to um the person who set up the the meeting he said he's going to tell you that you can't handle this you should run for secretary of state don't run for governor okay and i was like all right well i don't know if i'm gonna agree to that i think that sounds terrible so we sat down and and we sat down for two hours and afterward he said you know i didn't think i'd say this but i I think you can do this wow and and i think there were probably but because i'm a positive person i think because of that i heard more yeses than i allowed myself to hear no's i went in and met with one of our elected (laughs) officials and he said at the end you have a great story everybody has a great story it's really hard to do this and i we walked out and i looked at the guy next to me and i said i mean he said i have a great story (laughs) (laughs) what did your husband say (laughs) um well we'd been married for 20 years at that point so i i said i I think i'm gonna run for governor and he kind of pretty much looked at me he's like so you're running for governor (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to do this. That was it? But he said, you know, the weirdest thing is that you're the type of person that will actually make it through. And I think so when I won the primary, then it, he was really, it was it was hard. He's a, an introvert. So he one yeah. day called me from work and he said, I opened my browser and it was a picture of you. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably going to happen now. <laughs> but it was fun. The girls, I think, were the best because I sat the girls down and I said, so mommy's thinking about doing this. And my twins were seven at the time. And one of the twins like seven going on 40 and she looked at me and she said well if you do this will a lot of people hate you and I said um we're hoping less than 50 percent so yes but no but they did they learned this and so from that perspective what a blessing to get them to see their mom be so wickedly attacked and continue to power through because girls I think it's so much harder today they have social media and girls are mean it's funny so I have a a guy just the other day, he is raising girls on his own and has never dealt with girls, had brothers. And he looked at me and he said, I'm going to be really honest with you. This is going to sound bad, but girls are mean. Yeah. And I said,
said, yeah, I mean, they can be the meanest. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's tough. And so here I, my girls, right as they're going into that, that point of life where there's a lot of tough things, especially with social media and just girls being tough on each other. Mm -hmm. They saw some of the toughest things you can go through as a woman and the attacks from both sides, really, even your friends, you don't, that's the thing about politics. You don't know who your friends are. So even your friends or you think they're your friends turn on you. And so they got to see me go through this and really with grace. So I hope they saw it with grace. And so that was that was good. But at the end, I will say one of the most amazing parts about it is a woman from school came up to me and she said, my daughter's 13 and she's going through. So it's such a tough time right now. She's never been into politics, but she watched your whole race because obviously my girls go to that school too. And she said she watched the debates and at the end of the debate, she turned to me and she said, mom, that just goes to show that you don't have to be mean. You can go into a debate and with the facts and the right attitude, you can kick someone's butt with grace. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and a smile on your face. That's just. I said. mean, that is, I mean, you do have a gift that you did it with class. Well, that was, I didn't I never thought that we had to tear each other down personally. And I will say that I don't I don't think that happened on either side. There were there were no personal attacks. I mean, I attacked her policies and the girls yes. would ask me, "Do you hate her?" And I said, "No. I don't like that her ideas, her plans are what I don't like." And mm-hmm. so, you know, they don't policies is a big word for them, but that's what I would say. I don't like her policies. I don't like where she wants to take the state. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have better plans for the state. And we clearly do because the state has no economic development plan. The state is is dying on the vine when it comes to education. What are our kids? What is the future for our kids if they have a 5% reading literacy rate yeah. in certain districts? You know, the plan for the state under Gretchen Whitmer was very rough. And I got to focus on that and not get ugly personally. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need. Yeah. What do you say to the girls out there that are, you know, they don't know what they want to be when they grow up? uh, And they, I mean, listen, there's a lot of negativity out there. I hate social media. It's a double edged sword because social media was really good for me in the beginning when I was starting the fight. Um, But I I just want to go away from it now because I just find it's so yucky. I was at a Republican Governors Association meeting, and I think it was Governor Ducey who said, I will just give you a warning. Twitter is like a sewer. You have to have one, but you don't want to spend much time there. (laughs) And it's true. Ah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And that's what people forget is that the majority of the world is not on Twitter. Not on Twitter. So I am, you know, most of my friends, they know nothing, but it drives the media narrative in many yes, cases. And so that's why it's important if you're trying to get a message out because you have to be in that space. Yes. But when girls talk to me, especially my girls, when they talk to me about this, you know, it's it's tough because you have to remind them these things all go away. And mm. I think that's the hard thing because we've seen an increase in suicide rates among mm-hmm. young girls. It all, it's so fleeting. I mean, you think about the news cycle. We were just talking about it yesterday. A story can be in the news cycle for just hours now because of social media. It moves on. That's the same in life. You see these things and they're fleeting. My daughter, she went through a Harry Potter phase and then an anime phase. And I said, just think about, you don't like either of those things now. Yeah. Life is life changes. There's constantly good things coming in. There's an ebb and flow. Just keep searching for the positive mm. because 
there's there's love and love is the most important thing and there are kids that feel like they're not loved and so how do we how do we make sure we're reaching out to kids and that's the tough situation right now because if you're on the conservative side and you say you want to protect kids then they can say you don't love kids no we love kids so much that I want to see them succeed in life. I want to see them be able to get through their hard emotional times. I want them to have the best education possible. But how do you do it so that you make sure that they know it's because it's coming from your heart? Mm-hmm. And that is, that's tough. But I think that when girls see you fight, I, the best part, I think, talking to girls now is as, as hard as it is to come out of a loss, I can say, look, I didn't win, but it doesn't stop me. Wow. That's awesome. How did it feel that night? Oh, I mean, that was tough. You know, we went in and everything we were seeing was showing a big win. And so when we came out and it was a big loss, I mean, it was tough because you have this team that becomes a family and we all felt like, wow, this is a big letdown. What's next? And so there are a few days where there's that question of what's next, but never did I think that it wasn't going to be something inspiring. And so I I had somebody, I had a group ask me to come and speak. And I said, well, you know, what will I say? Because I let them down. And this guy said to me, you learned so much. Imagine if you won, you would walk in there thinking you knew everything. He said, but you learned so much Mm -hmm. when you lose that you can go in and really speak to them in a different way. And I was like, you know, That's true. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we tell our kids that, right? There are great lessons to learn when you when you fail. The the only lessons, really, I think the most lessons you learn, you learn through failure. It's the same in business. And I think that is what where our kids need to understand failure is a good thing. Yes, because everybody wants to be so successful. They want to have a YouTube channel. They want to be a a star. They want to be something big. But when you fail at something, that's when you get better. I mean, look at just inventions. Edison, you look at these things. The failures are where you learn the most. And that's where the innovation, the greatness comes through failure. Yeah. What's the journey looking like now for you? What do you want to do? Well, it's interesting because a a few different things. We want to look at why are Republicans losing across the country because my race was not unique. Mm. We and I believe that we got distracted in 2020. I think that the Democrats are much more technologically advanced than us when it comes to elections. We are more emotionally connected to voters. We're still campaigning, but Democrats aren't. If you notice that, they're not out there. They're connecting with people in different ways. So I am not advocating for Republicans to not go out there and campaign because I think people need to be hugged and told that we care and Mm -hmm. they need to look in your eyes and see you. But I think that we can get much bigger when it comes to reaching them in other ways too. So I'm looking at that. And then the podcast, we launched the Tudor Dixon podcast. Congratulations. Thank you. So we're sharing some of those stories and I'm working back in Michigan to also amplify some of the news stories. Like we said, it's hard to get these stories out there when you're telling the truth about things and, and it doesn't jive with what the leftist media wants to say. Mm -hmm. And so um, a group of folks that I'm working with have launched the Midwesterner.com. So it's a a site that we're all, it's an aggregator site. So all the news stories of the day are there, but we're breaking exclusive stories as well. And so to me, it's very important that you add more voices. We, 
that's the beauty of America, right? Yeah. The the conversation, the discourse, the back and forth is the beauty of this country. And so the things that are most frustrating to some people are also the most incredible because the founders understood if that was taken away the danger of what that would be. And so just keeping ourselves out there in the conversation. How's your health been? Good, good, very good. I've been cancer-free since 2015. I had my surgery in 2015. And, um, you know, you go back every six months and it is one of those things I'm sure with you too. It's one of those things that's in the back of your head yes. is, you know, am I healthy? What's happening? What's the next step? Um, but I try to keep myself healthy. It's weird when you're campaigning, man, you, you that's hard. Right. It's like you take the food where you get it. It was so funny because well, I, I should not tell you the story, but <laughs> We were on the campaign trail and we had guests with us and she had very specific dietary needs. And I was so used to just having people like whatever scraps I got. Yeah. And so we were at the Polish American Club and they brought me back the scraps, you know, because I could never eat at an event. So I'm on the bus and they bring me the food. And she says to me, do you always request Polish food? And I thought that was hilarious. Yes, I would love sauerkraut every day that I'm on. But here I am just shoveling. And, like, and I look over, I'm like, oh, this looks so bad. No, actually, no, not always Polish food. Anything I can get. So, But the campaign trail is different living. So that is one of the things when people say, will you do it again? I think, gosh, I remember... This is probably too much information, too. But I remember being like, I'm sorry. I've had four kids. We have to stop and go to the bathroom. Like, I just have to stop. I know it's not on the schedule. <laughs> it's different for us. Yeah. Well, these are the things actually I like to hear, right? Because I want to hear the stories behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. This is the ugly truth. Here I am. <laughs> Here I am eating pierogies and stopping for a bathroom trip. <gasps> yes. That's... But, you, but you leave the door somewhat open. I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do, because I think you're right. Service is a heart issue, right? Mm -hmm. So if your heart is there, it's always going to be there. And I want to see where these next few years take me. But I, I don't shut the door because my heart is to serve. And if there's that place, if that time comes up again, then it might, it might happen. I want to see a political cycle that's done with kindness and grace. I just... That's all I want. I know it's not going to happen this next election cycle. I know it's it's so like they're in the mud right now. Mm -hmm. And I hate it. I do. I know. I th And that is what I, I loved about. I didn't feel like we had to do that. But it is going to be this next year oh. and a half is going to be. Whew. I know. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why we probably need more Tudor Dixons out Aww, there. That's uh, sweet. I'm proud of you. I, I watched you. You do such a great job. You're a real person, a real human being that I believe wants to help people. Um, you've touched a lot of lives. Um, I'm grateful to know you and uh, to be continued because I'm going to follow you. Thank you. Well, you inspired me, honestly. I, I think that you need to understand that when you're going through something like I went through with, with my grandmother and then running, running is really hard. I, I think that's what Sometimes people think it's glamorous, but it's very challenging and it's very hard on you emotionally. And I felt like I had a kindred spirit in mm -hmm. you. And so as much as Twitter is a sewer, those things that you were putting out there, they meant a lot. So oh, thank you. Well, thank you. And good luck. Thank you. I'm excited to follow you. And uh, 
We'll do this again. Sounds good. Okay, maybe with cocktails. Yeah, that sounds good. Because I want to hear more of the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to hear about the pierogies <laughs> and the bathroom breaks. <laughs> there you go. You'll hear all that. I, I, that I think is part of maybe my downfall is I'm a little too open. Oh, with no, I love that stuff. I want to hear all about it. You get the real tutor. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Tudor, for the fascinating and fun conversation. I know you'll be hearing a lot more from Tudor in the future, and we will definitely have her back on again. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram, or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.